please leave me alone. I don't have a hundred dollars in Amazon reward credit. I promise you. You sure? Well, my name's not Tyler, so. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. So it's that time of year again. Uh, the the birds start tweeting. Um, I cry about a particular Ben Fold song. It happens every March. I can't, I could not tell you why, but every March <laughs> I was crying about a Ben Fold song last night and I was like, oh, hang on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't new. It's just March. So it's, you know, it's that time of year again. <laughs> uh, and the days are getting longer. Um, and they just passed the threshold where at uh, they were 50-50. 50% sun, 50% not sun. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it's time for us to start thinking about uh, uh, what we want the new season to look like. And we do that in with themes not with and they're they're kind of like uh resolutions except they're more of a a direction than a particular goal right listen to cortex (laughs) zach would should we start with our winter themes should we discuss those briefly yeah let's do that my theme was the winter of liz Mm-hmm. I I did that for like two weeks, and then things got things got hard, and then I didn't want to anymore. Yeah, the idea was to like do things because uh, for reasons, and those reasons are self motivated or like I don't know, Zach. It's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It wasn't fully thought out. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. And I ended up not doing very much with it at all. So that's how it went. Sometimes that's how themes go. And I think that's something that feels... uh, I think it's something that's nice about just doing a seasonal theme where you don't spend a whole year being like, okay, well, what does the, the year of Liz entail? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think at the same time, it allows you to be self-limiting in a particular way. It allows you to be like, well, it's just the spring or it's just the winter. So if I don't know what the winter of Liz looks like, um, then it's, you know, I'll get to think about it again in, in March. Uh, this is something that has happened to me before. I, sometimes I say you and I mean me, uh, sometimes that's a thing that happens in the English language. So yeah, I I don't dislike the idea. I like the idea of like not just getting out of bed because that's that's what I need to do. Uh more like you you get out of bed because you want to do something. You want even if that's like go to work. You you're going to work for a reason. And uh, I imagine it could feel good, but this was not the winter for it. That's fair. I might want to revisit it at some point is what I'm saying. Yeah. Season of Liz 2, Faster, Better, Stronger. Yeah, I I get that. And I get that sometimes uh, the things that happen in a season and the idea that you have for that season don't line up. Yeah, I mean... It wasn't a failure, you know? That's something we keep in mind when we're talking about themes. Like, it's it's just how the it's just how the winter went. There's no real reason to say, to, to claim that this was good or bad. It just, it's just mm-hmm. how it was. Yeah. It felt maybe incomplete, and that's why I want to revisit it later, but... Mm-hmm. Again, doesn't no value judgment on it is necessary. Right. Is there a thing that you think you'll be bringing um, 
a lot of times I find that there's like a thing that I can kind of distill the theme down into and be like, okay, this is really a, a takeaway that I have from this particular theme. So is there that? Is there something that you think when you do Liz 2 Faster, Better, Stronger um, that you will begin with kind of this, you know, it's Liz, the season of Liz plus. You know, I really hope I can hold on to some of the feelings I was having at the beginning of the winter when I was actually trying to keep it in mind. There was something I was missing from those feelings, which was like uh, an accomplishment sense. You know, if I'm not being productive, uh, like there there was a lot of things to not like about that situation where, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, I'm saying we, but I, 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 you know, I mean me, um, <laughs> where, like, I didn't want the pressure of only feeling accomplished while being productive, but I didn't necessarily want the feeling of productivity to go away, the the feeling of feeling valued to go away. Mm-hmm. By And that value, feeling valued can come from other people, but it feels good to come from yourself as well and that's where those that's where that kind of like productivity porn was was really nice where you felt like you were doing something even though you you really weren't Mm -hmm. um and that's something that was approximated by the feeling of like you wake up and you say i really want to get this done and even though it's hard I'm I want to get it done so that's why I am doing it. And then when mm-hmm. you do it, you get that sense of accomplishment and you and I felt that a similar sense of value. Yeah. Ideally, I could just like think I'm valuable regardless of how I act, but we're not there yet. Oh, well, so this is um Liz, I know that you're off podcasts, but um, this is something that I think they just touched on, or maybe they only barely touched on in the latest Dubai Friday. And I was mm. like, you know, got, got me thinking, but uh, like the, the place where I want to be better for me. And I also want to be better for my community. Um, and so like, I think it is necessary to hold both of those things together to be better for you and to be better for other people for the world for whatever um and i think that as much as you can say like okay i'm i'm good and i am valuable that there's still a sense of accomplishment that is almost separate from the sense of feeling yourself as valuable that can be felt better in a community than just um in yourself yeah totally and these are all things that will may or may not be explored in the the next season of liz better faster stronger Mm -hmm. which i will spoil is not spring okay 2021 so zach how is your winter theme uh so my winter theme was uh the season of self-awareness um and the 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 thought, the question that I had in my head going into it um, was that there was like one day last fall that I like recognized myself pushing against a brick wall, trying to get everything done and whatever, um, feel accomplished more than actually accomplish anything. Um, and I just stopped and I was like, hang on, wait a minute. I don't need to be doing this right now, and it's just making me feel worse. Um, and like, can I can I make that happen more often? Um, and the answer that I got over the last winter was probably I could, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. And there was some other other parts to it, but that was the main thing. Was like, can I? How do I look at? where I'm at and what I'm doing and what I need and how do those things all mesh up. Um, 
And I think I did that. I don't know if I noticed the times that I did that as much as I did um, the first time. Mm. And I also uh, now can say that it's it's really tough. It's really tough to be self-aware. It's really tough to be like, okay, what I want is this thing and what I need is this other thing, right? I really want to be playing Stardew Valley, but I need to have food ready tomorrow and I only have so much energy. And so I'm going to use the energy to have the thing be ready for tomorrow or, um, I caught myself the other day. I was like, I did not have enough energy to fully engage with anything. And so I was like half engaging with a lot of things, including my partner. And that's shitty behavior. Uh, And so eventually I got to the point where I was like, ah, look at me half engaging with a lot of things because I am tired and we did not sleep well last night. Um, and I kind of reoriented then. I did not fully reorient. Um, some other things that happened during the season of self-awareness, I continued talking to my therapist. Uh Last time, that was the season of self-care in the fall. Um, I just started talking to my therapist at the end of that, and so now I am continuing to see my therapist. Um, And I am reading, or have been reading, uh, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, uh, which is a book about a therapist and her therapist, I Mm. think is the subtitle. (laughs) Sounds interesting. Um, And yeah, it's really interesting. It's really, it's given me different tools to look at myself and also different tools to think about like, okay, we're in therapy right now and my therapist is just a guy um, who's like just trying to be helpful, but he cannot solve my problems for me. Uh, And like, I can know that and have known that in the past, but just having it said in in an extra way uh doesn't hurt for sure and so that's i've really enjoyed that book and i also have found it really useful um where did you acquire the book i acquired the book god this is i'm so sorry uh i acquired it on audible.com uh leading purveyor of audio books uh, and today's sponsor yeah because I went to a bunch of other places. I was like, hey, can I find a place to get this audiobook that isn't Amazon? And the answer is no. Um, there's there's one place, and it is Amazon, uh, who also own Goodreads now and just fucking deprecated the API without telling anyone. They were just like, hey, I don't really... Whatever. Uh, if you have any questions, go to the forum and ask. Uh, but we refuse to answer any of them. Well, there goes your, your bookshelf idea. Right. You were so close. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then once I got that done, I was going to do any IO, right? That would have just taken off. That can't you were do that so now. close. Uh-huh. Amazon sh- is shutting down small businesses. Right. The the takeaway. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So first before the takeaway, there's one other thing that I'm thinking about right now, which is like do I know Zach from December, yeah, from the end of December well enough to be able to look at him then and look at me now and be like, did I grow? What is different? Am I still me from December? Because the answer is no. In which ways am I me from, in in which ways am I not me from December? The answer is a big old shrug emoji. Uh, I th- I have been improving without noticing in some ways. And I think that's real cool. That's good. It's good to improve. Um, But it also leaves the door very open for doing the opposite, for getting worse at a thing or being worse about a thing um, without noticing. Yeah. And so I would like to notice more. (laughs) And you'd think, hey, wasn't that what the self-awareness season was all about? Um, 
and you sure would think that. Uh, it certainly uh, it was in my mind somewhere. Yeah, it was in my mind, and it's something that I. It's a let's let's call that one takeaway two. That's takeaway two. Um, takeaway one though is the one that hurts more, which is why it's takeaway one. Uh, the revelation that there's a there's a thing going on or an issue happening is not the fix to the issue, nor is it the work to fix the issue. No. Um, and that's a little bit that one I just pulled from the soup that I am currently swimming in. I don't know where, but like I've, I've seen that that's been something that the algorithm has provided me with. It was like, Hey, by the way, sometimes you have a revelation and that's not the solution. It's, it's just a step. And if you go, ah, the revelation, uh, that's sometimes a worse thing than just having the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Being able to recognize the cause of a problem is not necessarily better. (laughs) (laughs) Not on its own, at least. And so that's takeaway number one from the season of self-awareness. And I think it's a good takeaway, um, but unfortunately, it, this is this counts as irony. But unfortunately, um, I don't know how to take that takeaway and implement it in any form of action. It's the same problem. It's the same problem, just meta. <laughs> so a uh, word that i'm now thinking about is follow through right that's a term that's just kind of floating around today i'm like all right follow through let's just hold that in my brain follow through is not the next season okay what is the next season the next season is going to be the spring of infrastructure okay tell me um so this is on march 11th uh merlin man started talking about infrastructure in a way that i hadn't thought about um in kind of the main episode and the after show there was a lot of discussion um and in this this the merlin sense of infrastructure um it's about taking the things that you want to do or that you want to want to do and making them easier um, or more likely to happen. And so um, he was talking about infrastructure in terms of like home automation and that kind of thing, but also in terms of like, hey, when I boot up my computer, I want it to open up uh, the things that I want myself to be doing. Um, uh, and the like the quote that 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 hit, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the theme was, Be careful what you sign up for that makes shame the only pathway to what you hope is success. Can you give me an example or like a constructed example, maybe? Yeah, I probably can. Um, And there's definitely a reason that it resonated. And my brain went, ah, a solution. And then it forgot about all of the the context. So it's going to take me a minute. Um, I think exercise uh, might be a, an example and a, a good example for me right now is that like, I know I should be exercising more. Um, and the thing that gets me up and exercising consistently is not going to be guilt. It's going to be some combination of routine and interest and awareness and uh, that the the process between me thinking, okay, I would like to exercise or, okay, I ought to exercise um, and actually being exercising, uh, the steps between there should be few. Okay. And the the steps between there and the the shrinking of the steps between there is the thing that I am calling infrastructure. And you can feel guilt about a thing and do it for a brief period of time, or you can 
find the motivation to do a thing in a more wholesome way. Um, and, and it's easier to sustain in that way because you're not pulling yourself up as the same at the same time as pushing yourself down. Yes. Nice. Well, uh, do you have any other like particular goals that you're hoping to get out of it? Um, well, I have some gizmos okay. uh, that are, that, that are being shoehorned in, um, because sometimes, uh, I think, Hey, maybe I am not familiar with myself, uh, in the past. And maybe part of that is that I have more saved TikToks than, uh, photos of myself from the last, uh, whatever, five months. Um, <laughs> and it's nice to imagine um, that part of the multi-pronged process in in improving that is to have a camera that I like better. Okay. Um, and and on, in the multi-pronged process of being um, better about sleeping and better about health goals is to have something that's looking at, um, you know, where where my health is at in a way that I don't have to track um, actively in a way that I can just go like, Oh man, in December, what was my resting heart rate or whatever? And, uh, have, have some sort of computer that is always watching my heart rate. Um, (laughs) tell me, tell me what that is. No poker face on this guy. (laughs) Swear to God. (laughs) Um, so I've got a gizmo coming from China. Are you getting this? internet communicator a camera and a phone yeah this is not three separate products <laughs> it's two but it's two that i can do a lot of infrastructure things with right um i can i can cast uh particular shortcuts in the light of infrastructure right that i have already done done an infrastructure thing around making it easier to do show notes for the podcast um that like now if there's a button i hit and boom i'm doing show notes then that feels good it feels bad that ipad os doesn't have a way for me to open an app and slide over but that's we're we're looking at the things we can control (laughs) (laughs) i also have uh, a project i'm working on at work that's thinking about like okay how do we take a thing from not done to done um on like a big scale how do we think about the actions of going from not done to done um on any given task uh and so that uh fits in as part of uh infrastructure season um i got a theme journal nice. um and i've put something in it once and this is where the like actually going from I can I can get the fanciest camera in the world, and if I don't take the pictures, then I'm not actually solving the problem. Um, that I've done the realization, and then the realization about what it would take to do the work, and I have not yet done the work. Um, You're close. You're very close, right. though. I have made it easier for myself to do better at the things I want to do better at. Yeah. Infrastructure also, in this case, I'm just going to throw it in there because why not? I can I can tell myself that I'm going to fix this every year, every week, every day. Uh, I want to f- figure out where all my stuff goes, all my digital stuff that I go like, ah, I've got a thought. And it where does that go? Where does that thought go? Um, that's going to be easier now that all of my things have the same places for the thoughts to go. Um, yeah, absolutely. And if I don't do it, no one's going to kill me, right? No. Greg from Agile Tortoise is not going to show up at my door and be like, hey, so I heard you you still have, you know, all of your things in Evernote, but not all of your things because all the new things are in drafts, except for some of the things which came from your Android phone, which are in Todoist. Um, that sounds I like follow-up to me. Yeah, it does. It sure does. Um, you want a blog. I kind of want a blog and I kind of want a blog actually. So here's the thing. I kind of want a blog, the verb. Okay. Yep. Um, 
and to do that, to, to take that task from being a thing that I want to do to being a thing that I do, uh, the steps in between are have a place to put the blog. <laughs> yeah, there's a little uh, bit of infrastructure there, I'd say. Right. Um, but like, do I, in the interest of not making shame the way to get from here to there, do I just do, do I just install WordPress and have it be fine? Do I just make the blog myself and it's f***ed up a little bit? Um, these are things that I am thinking about and don't have answers for yet, but would love to hear your input. I think there's probably a middle ground between fully making it yourself and WordPress. Uh, that being said, like, I don't know, WordPress isn't that bad. <laughs> and like, if, I don't know, it, if you're looking to blog and not mm-hmm. to make a blog, which is, I would say, a a different type of activity than like, I don't know, I made, I made my own blog once and you're, it, it was a little fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. It worked though. And I certainly felt very cool while doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could always fix it later, I guess. But it's really hard to... Once you get something online and you get like a minimum viable product, it's kind of hard to be like... Unless it's like really bothering you, you probably won't fix the thing that's bothering you in the next year. Yeah. And by then you'll have a totally new identity. So like that website's not really gonna... (laughs) I think... Uh, this is one of those times where in the English language, sometimes you say you and you mean me, (laughs) or should I say, I say you and I mean me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't have a particular reading list because nothing has jumped out at me yet, but I do have a listening list, uh, which is just to re-listen to the, the infrastructure episode every once in a while, because I think that's a good way to keep this idea in my head without it's a low barrier to entry way to keep this idea floating around in my head. Yeah, totally. Um, and then automators, I guess like that sounds like a thing that would be appropriate for infrastructure season. I don't know. Probably. And, and mar- part of it too, for me is that I have really been trying to keep my personal devices for personal use. And I have, I have, a work laptop and the work laptop is where the work things happen. And so, uh, uh, shortcuts can do a lot and it doesn't really help me at work as long as it's not on windows. Um, and as long as I try to maintain that hygiene between my work phone is, or my work. Oh, Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Um, (laughs) my work laptop is my, my work laptop and my phone is for me and my computer that I've got that has the apps that I like is for me. Right. Um, and so I I can see automators being of limited usefulness in that regard too. Um, but like sometimes it's cool to, even if you don't use like their automation specifically, like learning that it's possible to, This is just an example. I don't actually know if this is possible for the record. Like being able to mm-hmm. create an Airtable automatically from drafts or something. Hmm. If like if that was done in an effort to do something unrelated to what you're trying to do, but you learn that it's possible, that could be useful still. Yeah. And that's that's infrastructure spring all right that sounds really interesting and i'm looking forward to hearing all about it yeah how about you what am i what am i going to look forward to hearing all about i don't feel like i have the energy for self-improvement this season like once a week i have enough emotional capital to point the proverbial boat towards the correct island but in the time in between I'm more or less at the mercy of the sea. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm not even doing that poorly, but as I was exploring themes for to 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 present here mm-hmm. uh, I was feeling as though and i and continue to feel that any attempt at self improvement would be just disingenuine. You know, I would say like, Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, like, let's say if I, let's say I wanted to continue the season of Liz and Mm -hmm. I, I just, I would say something along the lines of, well, you know, last season was a good attempt, but like, let's kick it up a notch. Let's try, let's, you know, get back in the swing of things. I got to write it down. So I remember I got to put post-it notes on my walls so that I remember to actually do this but like that doesn't the reason i stopped really participating in my own theme this winter wasn't because i forgot about it you know not that Mm -hmm. that's totally out of the question that's happened before but um (laughs) but i just kind of know that like now is not the right time to be doing what feels like trying to make myself better in whatever way that takes takes shape yeah so i think i want to lean into that feeling with the spring of perfection tm (laughs) (laughs) uh some goals i have listed um Understand that perfection can be both something to strive for and something that is impossible to reach. Okay. Understand that perfection is expected regardless of what anyone says. Mm-hmm. Subpoint. Also, a perfect person doesn't expect perfection from anyone else. Right. You are an island who does not need anything because you are perfect. Exactly. And finally, understand that I already am perfect. I just need to apply myself. Mm. Mm, okay, yeah. And that will be the spring of perfection TM. Yeah. Um I'm going to speak to the first thing first and then I will speak to this spring of perfection uh because I really like that. Um but I one of the original ideas uh go listen to cortex yada yada uh mm-hmm. around themes is that a resolution is in a way practicing failure right that's kind of the um the lens through which it was originally positioned right they said hey if you say i'm going to work out every day and the you know january 8th you don't work out and then you're like okay well mm, eh, eh, eh." then next year when you're like okay i'm gonna work out every day starting in january you you already have this little gremlin in the back of your brain that's like, okay, but last time we gave mm-hmm. up on this and nothing bad happened and it was hard for the eight days that we did do it. Um, and so I think in the same way that if you if you are pushing against a brick wall and your body and your brain and your yourself don't have the like energy to do that, maybe you need to point um, towards perfect instead. And I also think sometimes a a post can turn genuine halfway through. Obviously, this is like I was being extremely sarcastic throughout this whole, like, throughout reading my goals, throughout all of it. But like, a perfection will always have a trademark signed by it. I think perfect will always have a trademark next to it is very insightful and also a damning condemnation of open source software (laughs) Uh, that's really funny it was a subtle dig at my plan to make my own blog (laughs) (laughs) all right i am done talking about my theme all right perfect you know what actually is perfect though zach oh something let me find the words for this um i'm gonna guess it's gonna be the calm the kind of release that comes 
with understanding that something you create uh, is one of a kind, right? It's even if it's not the best art anyone's ever created, even if it's not, you know, the best blog anyone's ever created, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's something that you made by hand and that that like you kind of gave it a little bit of your soul in that action. Absolutely. And, you know, part of that is necessarily that there's only one of it. Mm-hmm. There's a scarcity. Scarcity is a is a must-have for anything to have meaning. Exactly. That's right, everyone. We're talking about NFTs. Wahoo! And it's for, and it's for the blockchain squad. Blockchain squad! <laughs> Perfect. That was it. I was waiting for it. It's been so long. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like what the last eventful blockchain thing that happened was. There's probably been a couple things that we skipped over, but it's it's been a while. Mm-hmm. I talked about NFTs a little bit last podcast as like a little teaser before I had done all my research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the worst part about everything I'm about to say is that I was I was too optimistic last episode. Oh god. Oh no. Okay. All right, and um jump in at any point if something doesn't make sense uh or if you think something requires more clarification, I would appreciate that. All right. Uh we're going to start with like basically what it is. What what is uh-huh. an NFT? Uh so just as a baseline, NFT stands for non-fungible token. This is opposed to a fungible token. Things that are fungible include dollars, bitcoins, airline miles. Because it doesn't matter which dollar you have, mm-hmm. you just you have a dollar. Uh, if I broke into your house and replaced all your dollars with my dollars, <laughs> you probably wouldn't care too much. <laughs> That's somewhere in the chaotic, but I don't know where. Um, <laughs> well, the whole idea of fungible is that it's, you know, it's right. chaotic neutral. It's neutral. Yeah. Um, things you that have, are... You have not changed literally anything in changing out all of the, the dollars. Yeah. So things that are non-fungible include works of art, pets... Things that if I broke into your house and replaced, you you would definitely care. Okay, yeah, keep going. I I sighed big because I started thinking about uh, souls, but keep going. <laughs> there are also things that are semi fungible, uh, things like books or clothing. Things that within a certain threshold are fine to replace, but outside of that threshold are not. So, like, you probably would be fine with me replacing a book with the same with the same book a different copy of the same book uh-huh but not with a copy of jordan peterson's beyond order 12 more rules for life today's sponsor or like the same book but i dropped it in the bathtub a minute ago <laughs> sure same idea now nfts are tokens so that fall into this non-fungible category uh, Sort of, we'll get to it. You can think about them as representing ownership of something else that was non-fungible or semi-fungible. Think about back when Bitcoin was still entering the public awareness. uh, People, including me, assumed they were a piece of information that you kept secret on your computer because that was basically the only way that we could uh, imagine interfacing with a currency system is like we have a thing that represents a value of good. Mm-hmm. It's like a PDF of a dollar bill. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, PDF of a dollar bill, it can be copied over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's not actually how Bitcoin works. Um, we don't store a Bitcoin on a hard drive. We store, you know, the private key to your Bitcoin wallet, which is used to verify that we are the account that the Bitcoins belong to. 
Mm -hmm. And NFTs work in a similar way. Uh, Who an NFT belongs to is information that is on the public block is public on the blockchain. When you say on the blockchain, I just want to kind of make sure I'm following. mm -hmm. Does that basically mean you just shout out, hey, I've got this thing and everyone else writes down that you've got it? So, okay, I'm going to switch around some paragraphs here, but okay, uh, NFTs are most prom- prominently on the Ethereum bl- blockchain right now, uh-huh. um, and Ethereum uses smart contracts, so sort of. You, it's definitely an easy like if you don't care about the the specifics, that's one way to think about it. Is like you say, okay. I own this. I own this NFT and then everyone says they own that NFT and you would, if you wanted to sell it to someone, you would say, I would like to transfer ownership of this NFT to this account and Mm -hmm. that, and then everyone would write that down too. Right. But getting a little bit more into that, like, because the, the specifics are kind of important here. So, Bitcoin, probably um, the most famous blockchain, is a currency that is fully fung- fungible. There's no reason that to have one Bitcoin over another for any real reason. Mm-hmm. And a blockchain can be re- represented as a series of blocks of information added to this chain. chain. There's a lot of encryption involved, um, a lot of... Uh, guessing of hashes and whatnot but that's the basics you have this immutable chain of information that and each section of the blockchain is a chunk of information Mm -hmm. and in the bitcoin blockchain the that information is a list of transactions that results in the current state of the accounts you can pretty easily say you can pretty pretty easily keep track of well, at this time, I sent Zach a Bitcoin. So now Zach has a Bitcoin and I have one less Bitcoin. And that's all That's all it is. And this is a simple sounding question that probably has a very complex answer. Where does the blockchain live at? It lives on everyone, everyone's computer, ideally. So okay. anyone who's using... Bitcoin has an uh, an app of sorts that will parse the blockchain and figure out how many bitcoins I have, how many bitcoins you have, and that information is can be stored on my hard drive. Where does your hard drive get it from? Other people who have the app or uh, a GitHub page, or a forum, or something. It, it just needs that initial copy, and then it can verify it with the rest of the network. Okay, and that's why it's so important that nobody ever has more than, whatever, 50% of the full record, because then they could rewrite the whole record. Yeah, so... If, let's say there were only three people on the network Mm -hmm. uh if a fourth person wanted to come in they could and two of those three people were colluding to make it seem like they have more bitcoins than they do uh they could give that person a false record the the new person they could give the new person a false record and then verify the false record because Who's going to tell? Mm-hmm. Who's going to say no? The minority. The minority right. vote. Okay. Okay. But that's not what we're talking about. Yep. Right. I just <laughs> I wanted to know where the blockchain lived. It lives where the torrents live. Okay. So, like I said, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is a list of transactions. Ethereum is also a blockchain, 
but the information in the blocks are called smart contracts. Um, and they're pieces of code that can be run by other people's computers. Those where you mine bitcoins, you execute smart contracts. Okay. More or less. Okay. There are some details, but nothing important. So NFTs are a specific type of smart contract that conform to one of two major standards, ERC-721 and ERC-1155. Within both of these standards are a field that lists the account identifier of the owner of the NFT. So what? let's recap. NFT is a block of code that mm-hmm. says, I belong to Zach. And anyone who wants to know who this NFT belongs to can execute a function, execute the function, execute the block of code that lets it tell them who the owner is. Have there been any Ethereum viruses yet? Lots. Okay. I just, you were like, hey, somebody gets to arbitrarily execute code, execute code on your computer. And I was like, that sounds like dangerous. Um, okay. <laughs> um, technically... You're executing code on the blockchain, not on the computer. But at some point, uh, through a couple levels of ex- ex- uh, abstraction, code get- gets executed on a computer. Right. So We don't have anywhere else to execute code yet. Yeah. Haven't cracked that nut. <laughs> um, and this is the extent to which anyone owns an, N- an NFT. A smart contract. The the NFT says I am owned by whoever. It's just a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain will return their account identifier. And to be fair, the extent to which anyone owns anything is not a lot more. Uh, We mostly accept that if someone has something... That's proof enough that they own it. Uh, it's only for big things like houses or cars that we keep track of who owns it. Uh-huh, right. There's there's a lot around, like, who owns what pieces of land. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, that's something our society values in a way, and uh, not just values, but uh, likes to keep contained. That's what I always said. More rules around land, the better. That's a thing I've never said. (laughs) Uh, It would be nice to think of NFTs like a deed to a house. And for the most part, that's what people are doing. One of the major use cases of NFTs is for selling digital art uh, in a similar way to the way physical art gets sold. Prints and copies of the Mona Lisa are effectively worthless, but the original is priceless. And that's why we sell it. Yeah. So an artist can take their digital art, assign an NFT to it, and sell the NFT that represents the ownership. Incredible, right? Uh Uh-huh. Scarcity. So it's creating scarcity where there was not before. And that has had an effect on the market. Okay. That makes some sense. And this is about as far as any blog posts about NFTs on the pop-up crypto websites that I found while researching this topic went. That feels like about as far as I understand it. Um, But I know there are more complexities. I can imagine a few, and I bet there's a bunch I haven't imagined. I was going to ask, which which kind of, uh, which aspects still feel unaddressed to you? Well, so there's a couple things. I've seen um, Edent on Twitter a long time ago. This might have not been directly with NFTs, but he went to some crypto blockchain art market and claimed that he painted the Mona Lisa. And he was like, hey, do you want to buy the Mona Lisa NFT from me? Or I don't know, whatever. By whatever mechanism you could buy a painting on this crypto art market. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they did not stop him. He was like, I am the, the person who did the Mona Lisa. Would you like to buy it? And they were like, sounds good. How much would you like to sell it for? Um, uh, there's doesn't sound like there's anything stopping me from selling 20 NFTs of the same piece. You're correct. Uh, there's also like the blockchain is incredibly um, expensive resource wise. Yeah. Uh, and that's so a subpar solution to a problem that didn't exist until they created it. Um, I have, I have a list of shortcomings. Um, and the thing I wrote down for, for what you just said was no one cares, but the environmental impact is a shortcoming. <laughs> There are people who care. They just aren't the ones who make the decisions. Um, those those are the three big ones that I can think of. Okay. Well, uh, so the way, uh, you know, CryptoGuy49 on Twitter mm -hmm. would justify the uh, selling 20 of the same art piece, NFTs of the same art piece. Mm-hmm. Um, would be, well, if they do that, then the NFTs will be worth less because there's less scarcity. You could you could hire like a, a Van Gogh professor to go look at... Did Van Gogh do the Mona Lisa? No, that was Da Vinci. You could hire a Da Vinci professor to go look at a painting at an auction and be like, yeah, that, that's the real Mona Lisa. Totally. Um, and like, there's only one of those, so they don't have to like run around all the time being like, ah, oh, this is the real Mona Lisa. Um, because usually like it, it's not moving around that much. Um, and so you can, in the real art world, uh, in the place where we only value art, by whatever fucking arbitrary characteristics uh the the big money high roller art people decide um you can like point at a thing and be like this is the original and this is do vinci uh da vinci's second cousin he painted this one and you can tell because all of his brush strokes go up instead of down mm -hmm. and so this this is the reason that that NFT is, or this is, sorry, this is the reason that that painting is worth less is because it's not the original. Yeah. And you can't like tell if you have the only NFT, right? It, it would take some effort, but you could, you could, I mean, it's a public blockchain, so it, you could go through the whole blockchain and say, is this is this digital art somewhere else on the blockchain but there's not anything you could do about it right you couldn't be like if someone sold you if someone sold you their art for a hundred dollars there's, there's no not way enough to, regulation to yeah they can't they can sell it again for 50 because there's two copies now but you're still out a hundred dollars when you should have been paying 50 for it mm-hmm one of the biggest things you immediately notice with NFTs, there's more. Mm -hmm. I would I would say there's more issues, but um, like one of the first things you notice is that like this doesn't actually solve the problem that it's trying to solve. It's not actually introducing scarcity. It it's giving the illusion of introducing scarcity into the market, but just like you can copy copy paste the art itself you can just put it at a different spot on the blockchain <laughs> and that's if it's working the way everyone's intending it to work and like i don't know like the art use case for nfts especially doesn't make sense because like 
sometimes in the real world, if you own a painting, you get to say what happens to the painting. Does it go in your private collection? Does it go in a museum? Does it get hidden away in a closet somewhere? That's Mm -hmm. all the person who owns its decision, not the painter, not the Illuminati or whatever who who controls the art market. (laughs) If if you own an original painting that is physical and you can touch, you can do whatever you want with it. Mm Mm-hmm. That is not the case with NFTs. No matter what you, no matter how you try to exert this claim that you own this digital art, you can't stop people from just making copies of it and doing whatever they want with it because it's it's a computer, it's data, and you can make perfect copies extremely easily. So, you know, you can't say. Well, this is I'm the only one who's allowed to enjoy this art because you can't. Right. If it's on a public blockchain, public's public's public's. Now you might be thinking, Zach, what if I what how does the NFT like interface with copyright law? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. So Another thing you can do if you own something is you can sell it. Right. And you can sell, you can resell the NFTs 100%. Uh Uh-huh. But you can't sell the art. Because you don't don't own the art, you own ownership of the art. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You have no, if you buy an NFC, an NFT, you can you have no say over if someone wants to make prints of it or sell it somewhere else sell high resolution copies on their website or mm-hmm. something like that you know it is ownership for ownership's sake which like people do i was mm-hmm. so so i i was all excited to trot out my analogy that i've now learned it's not even this bad it's not even as bad as the thing i was imagining as an absurd analogy oh, which is sack. uh like you can get a signed book right and the idea then is like ah this book it's been held by the author they signed it whatever and actually what happens is they sign a bunch of sheets and then the sheets get bound into the book It'd be like buying just one of those sheets. But it'd be like buying one of those sheets and being told that it's the only sheet in existence. (laughs) And like, okay, sometimes people do collect signatures. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, We've decided there's some value to the signatures. And part of what we've decided is valuable about the signatures is that they're scarce. It would be kind of weird to collect digital signatures just like on some forum you'd be like oh this is i i downloaded this signature from david lynch on on signatureweb.net um that like the the action involved in getting the signature is the thing that makes the signature valuable yeah um and so so it's not even as bad as the thing that I imagined it is badass and you just told me it gets worse. How does it get worse? I want I want to know your best guess for how NFTs, how a particular NFT references a particular artwork. By name. That's my like real dumb guess that I I've seen computer science people before. It might just be by name. Um, next best guess would be you hash the like a JPEG of the art and then you store the hash on the NFT. Yeah, no, that was absolutely my my first thought. I was like, OK, it was it's got to be just like. SHJ one hash of. Art that you could say. You could, you know, you could plug into a website and you could say, like, who owns this particular piece of art? 
mm-hmm. and it would just pull up a Ethereum account or a name or something. Is it by name? According to the ERC721, the 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 NFT standard, um, uh-huh. one of the two, uh, ERC1155 is the other one, and it is most it's a superset of functionality of uh ERC721 um but it basically just adds functionality for semi fungible tokens um but they work in the same way so there is a bunch of functions that you can do you can say tell me who the owner is transfer ownership that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and it has some metadata attached that is that takes the form of a JSON list. Okay. And in that, in that, it has three fields that are required. Name, description, and symbol. And symbol is a... Well, in theory, it could be anything, but the spec says that it's a URI. So the idea is you put your digital art up on a web server that is entirely unrelated to the blockchain. Really? And then you make an NFT of a URL, a URI technically, but it's a URL, Zach. Deadass. Um, Hold on. No. <laughs> okay, never mind. Go ahead. It's. I'm trying to think of some generous way I could interpret URI to not mean a place on a web server where this is publicly accessible. It doesn't and exist. I don't, there's like. There's no reason to use like the Library of Congress identifier or something. Um, but it's not that <laughs> it is not. and in practice it doesn't matter what you could use it's what 90 percent of people do use which is presumably a web url yeah you know you uh, upload it to imgur yeah. and say this is my nft i'm gonna make an nft of this maybe it's kind of like the patent system where they were like as long as we get to know this information, somebody can own it for a while, right? As long as this picture is somewhere, we'll we'll let somebody own it for a little bit, and they can play around with owning it, and then then it's public domain. Maybe that's so, the idea. Zach, let's just for anyone who doesn't like, what's the issue with making it a URL? That for that to be meaningful, it needs to be something that anybody could access on on a web browser. Not only that, but it it's mutable. Web servers come and go. You might yeah, link change. Rot. Yeah, you might change the URL scheme. At the at best case, you might just take it down. Worst case, and there's no way. And there's no way to enforce that you know i i make art i put it on my personal web server Uh i say zach do you want to own this for a hundred dollars you say hell yeah i want to own this for a hundred dollars i give it to you and then i take the image down what do you own again i don't remember a url you own a url sort of that you have no actual control over i can't actually put anything on that url i just own i own the contents of a url which is a 404 page. Cool. So that is the most glaring issue with all of this, which is that your ownership means even less than nothing because I still own the web server that I have my image up on. And you know it's even worse, Zach? Yeah, go ahead. The symbol field is mutable. It's just going to be dick butt. You can, Give it 10 years, every NFT is going to be for dick butt. You can, if you have ownership over an NFT, you can change what the NFT refers to. Oh. 
I think I can imagine the reason someone would do that. Absolutely. You know, it makes it makes sense to somebody. But it's a bad idea. And you know what, Zach? Mm-hmm. It's my fault. For being interested in things that people are doing with blockchain. It's my fault. I could have just let myself believe that people are doing cool things with cryptography. <laughs> but I didn't. I just had I had to go and actually read a spec. Two specs. I wonder if like language nerds ever feel like this. If somebody's like, oh, yeah, Swift's so cool, and then it, cut, turn, you know, whatever. Hey, the NSA is using Swift to violate your privacy. Oh, fuck. We made it so quick and easy for them to do that. Because um, <laughs> I feel like cryptography, it's a pretty high uh, high chance that any given cryptography project you're looking at, you're like, oh, this was, they were decrypting secrets uh, for from journalists. <laughs> Uh, who were trying to keep their sources private. And yeah. then uh, we we made quantum computers, and now you can decrypt that. And the government uh, did not like all the journalists and their sources. So maybe you should f- find a new special interest. <laughs> you know, the way that brains do that. They just decide to be focused on a different thing. If only. If only, Zach. And now... A PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Jordan B. Peterson on Quora has 34,000 followers and 9 million answer views. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Jared, if you want to tell me why I should buy your NFT... Or if you want uh, to own the URL that this podcast is located at right now, you can contact me on Twitter. I'm at... 